episode eight of This Is Why I Drink. This is Jeremy. I'm flying solo for a, a few episodes. Uh, CJ and Shaw have a lot of stuff going on in their personal lives, and obviously this isn't our full-time occupation. And so they they weren't able to make it for a little while, and we'll see how this rolls without them. And first and foremost, obviously, I want to give a shout-out to those guys. I couldn't have done any of this without their insight, their their perspectives and just the quality people that they are. So I want to say CJ Shaw, I appreciate you. Like there's no tomorrow. You've been an absolute blessing to have on these things. And we've covered a lot in the first seven episodes. And some of it was really organized. Some of it was much more raw, which both sides can be really good at times, depending on the level of, I guess, knowledge you have of each other and the level of comfort you have with each other so on these specific episodes i'm going to be doing by myself i want to actually give you guys the title this first one episode eight the title is the the kool-aid we keep drinking and the manipulation of equality because i want to give you guys the reasons for me wanting to start this podcast in the direction that I'm going with it. First and foremost, number one is I say that I wanted to pull the wool away from the collective mob's eyes and see if I could help us in some fashion get off the damn hamster wheel that we keep running on in this country and put down the Kool-Aid that we've been drinking for decades to actually see the forest for the trees. And to do that, I'm going to go back to a little bit of what I said in episode seven when I said free thinking is a myth, that it's a lie, it doesn't exist, because it really doesn't. And it's I don't believe that's a hateful thing on any scale, because when people sit there and say I'm a free thinker, that really shows that there's a level of insecurity inside of them where they don't believe they bring enough value to the table as a person to understand that none of us are free thinkers. It's a It's a level of pride-laden independence and it becomes self-sabotaging and suffocating after a while so to constantly say that we're free thinkers we're unique all this it's not true and again i don't think that's hateful on any scale because if we were full if we were completely fundamentally unique and i've had this conversation with a couple of people that said well i believe i am unique And one even brought up a social media movement called Be Unique, as in B-Y-O-Unique. Be Unique. And I thought that was interesting, and I asked him, I said, do you mean your fundamental genetic code is what makes you unique? And this person said, no, I'm unique. I'm my own individual person. I, I, I make my own choices. And I said, okay, there I agree 100%. You are your own individual person. You do make your own choices. To say that beyond that, you are completely unique other than your individual genetics, it's not true. Because again, if everybody was a free thinker, if everybody was completely unique, we would never get along. We wouldn't have friends. We wouldn't have trends. We wouldn't have mentors. We wouldn't have any of these things that actually lead to connection with other human beings. And that's why I say we're not free thinkers. We're not completely unique. And that's good because it builds relatability. It builds relationships. 
and I I firmly believe that the moment people finally start realizing, forgive me, that we're all just really a bunch of fucking lemmings that are trying to find our group to connect with and then decide what cliff we're going to collectively dive off of at the end of time, then guess what? Things become a hell of a lot easier. And I believe a lot more peace comes in to you as a person because you, you realize that you are a part of a whole and as being part of that whole, you have a job to make that whole better by doing your part accordingly. And we all have that. We all have a job to do in our individual lives to bring value to this world on a daily basis. Whether our world is the world as a whole, whether it's just our family, our group of friends, whatever. And once we actually get that through our damn heads and stop being so independently, stubbornly stupid, then life is a lot more fun. Because right now there's a lot of fake fun going on out there. There's a lot of, oh man, I'm getting litty. I'm having fun. That's right. I'm living my best life. When in reality, you're full of fucking shit. No, you're not. I've seen multiple memes that say, well, get ready for another day of acting like I've got my shit together on the internet for other people. And that's so true because we live in a genuinely virtual world now. So that that's part of why I want to do this is point number one to just get us off the fucking hamster wheel if I can. Number two is to show that sensitive topics are only sensitive because we make them sensitive. I don't believe anything that we have discussed or that we are going to discuss is overtly sensitive on any scale. We make it that way. And we make it that way because we still want to have an excuse. We make it that way because we still want an escape hatch. We still want a crutch. We still want to be able to play the weaponized victim just in case something offends us. Now, there have been multiple times in my life where, especially in the last few years, where I've been extremely offended by something somebody has said. And I didn't lash out at that person because of it. And Now, in my younger days, would I have lashed out? Probably so. I'm not going to lie. And it's a matter of maturity. I'm not always going to sit there and try to act like, you know, I'm, I'm like the ginger Christ or anything like that because God knows I'm not. What I'm saying is that those things don't offend me now. I look at them as an opportunity to actually understand the person I'm talking to. And I don't believe that collectively as a whole, we understand that in this country. So when we say something is sensitive, we keep it that way. For decades and generations, purely to be able to sit there and play the victim. That's all it is. Because... And I was talking about this with the, you know, the gentleman that helps us record these episodes. And I said, think about it. When something is really, when you touch something that's very cold, you jerk your hand back. When you touch something that's really hot, you jerk your hand back. Well, that's being sensitive. Sensitivity creates impulse. That's bad. Empathy and understanding create unity. You can be empathetic without getting sucked in. Once you start getting sucked in, it's more sympathy than empathy. And you can seek to understand without being sensitive. Because I'm a firm believer, you can be empathetic 
and understand and be relatable to that person without being overly sensitive. Because again, if say, you know, the word racism, say I say something to a black guy and he goes, man, that's racist. Well, my reaction can be one of two things. Well, one of three, actually. It can either be I jerk back because I'm afraid that I offended him and I start backpedaling. No, 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 dude, dude, sorry. It could be, no, it's not. Or I can say to him, okay, I, I didn't think that was racist. If you don't mind me asking, why do you think that's racist? And try to build a bridge of communication. Now, is that always going to work? No, because it also depends on the other X factor as in that human being as to whether or not they're going to respond accordingly. If they do great, if they don't, well, that's their choice. And I just walk away. So number two is to show that sensitive topics are only sensitive because we keep them that way. Number three is that I wanted to show the answers to fixing these issues are not as complex as we make them. We just don't collectively want to do the work to enact good quality change because it takes time. It's not going to happen in one generation. It might not even happen in two. And most people would rather whine, bitch, complain, and then say things like, well, you know, that's just how it is. (laughs) So it's it's just not going to change, man. That's just how it's always been. Well, I fucking hate that answer, and I refuse to buy into it. I believe it can change, and I believe it will change, and that's why I'm doing this. So to go to point one, the Kool-Aid we keep drinking. As a country, if you really, really sit down and think about it, the hamster wheel that we constantly run on is a very, very select list of things that we quote unquote discuss, talk about, argue, and fight over. And we literally don't ever fix any of them. We never fix a single one of these, yet we talk them to fucking death. Number one is always race and racism. That just seems to be the go-to. And if something doesn't work out the way we want it to, or if somebody's getting caught in their feelings because they're actually being put in front of logic and reason that proves them wrong, all of a sudden racism, whether you're, and it's whether you're black, white, again, fucking purple, orange, whatever, male, female, doesn't matter. That's a go-to. Number two is religion. Number three that we talk about is sexism, gender equality, abortion. And the reason I put those all in one is because they all encompass the same topic. So again, one, race and racism. Number two, religion. Number three, sexism, gender equality, abortion. Then we go into LGBTQ. Number five is immigration. Number six is homelessness. We talk a little bit about that one. We don't spend a ton of time on that one, though. Number seven is gun control. Again, something we spend a little bit of time talking about. It's almost like a sub point for the other th- others that we just throw in there when we need something to really stir the pot. And number six is climate change. And that's it. Those eight things are all we ever talk about as a country. And we never, ever fix any of them. Because as soon as... We start making progress as a society to where we start collectively agreeing. Then all of a sudden, the next thing that pops up is foreign policy is failing with some country and we might go to war with those fuckers. That's literally it. That's all we do. And we don't ever fix a damn one of them when they're easy to fix. 
They're not that difficult. Like I've, I've been sitting here with my buddy, Sean, CJ, Shaw's Pakistani, CJ's half black, half Mexican. I mean, I'm pale as the day is long. And th- none of us give a damn. None of us look at anything that we say to each other as racist. Because we understand we're each an individual human being and we operate with showing common decency and respect, i.e. the golden rule. Treat everybody the way you genuinely want to be treated. And all these topics that I'm bringing up, this list of eight topics, we keep throwing them around like fucking parade confetti on the news. Yet we never talk about the one thing that can actually help fix them from a fundamental standpoint, at least giving it a platform to start with. And that thing that can help starting or start the process of fixing them is education. And I'm not talking about in the classroom education per se. I'm talking about parents and individuals around you and in your inner circle and in your community helping raise good quality, commonly decent human beings. We're so caught up in being baddies or being players or being independent and all those stupid things that we don't ever think about. How do I help raise good quality people that can help the next generation do the same thing? When you talk about people from our history, like Malcolm X, Martin Luther King Jr., Abraham Lincoln, JFK, all all the people that really, really, really changed things, especially when it comes to race and racism, none of them stood up there and tried to talk about how much money is in their fucking bank account or how many chicks they knock it out with or how many dudes they play. Nobody does that. Or at least I should say they didn't do that. Yet that's the society that we live in now. And that sucks. It shouldn't be that way. So again, going through that list of eight things and those three reasons, that's that's why I'm structuring the podcast the way that I am. The only way to really cut the bullshit manipulation and educate ourselves about what's really going on is to, one, stop going on what we have manipulated these words that we use into being and actually understand the definitions of these words and start living by those definitions. That's what brings me to points number two and three when I talk about the manipulation of equality. Because it's it's how we constantly keep pandering to these quote-unquote issues to maintain our excuses and crutches and escape hatches so we can keep playing these weaponized victims. Because the word equality is constantly thrown around in today's news media, social media, whatever, inner circles, all that. And it's stupid. It's absolutely idiotic because we have manipulated it to serve something it wasn't meant to serve. And everybody that listens to this knows I'm big on definitions. So I'm going to read it. The definition of actual equality is the state of being equal, especially in status, rights, or opportunities. If you look at the United States of America today in 2019, we have equality. We actually have equality. Everybody has the same opportunity. 
and I'm going to do what I can to stay on the topic just of racism that we've been discussing instead of bleeding over into all the others that I listed off. Because it doesn't matter what the color of your skin is, you have the same opportunity as everybody else. Now, you might not be as good at something as somebody else is. Okay, well, that doesn't mean you don't have the opportunity. Say I go apply for a job and Shaw applies for the same job. Well, say Shaw gets the job because he was the better candidate for that job. Well, I have one of two options. I can either get pissed off and angry that because, say, he's a quote-unquote minority, they hired him over me, or I can say, okay, I'm going to go and say, what was the reason that you hired him over me? And I'm asking not because of the fact that I want to get angry. I actually, I want to know where I can improve. And then actually fucking improve. So there's, there's no reason for people to say equality doesn't exist. Every single person has the same opportunity. Equal opportunity is out there. That It blows my mind that we constantly have to talk about these things. Every U.S. citizen, every immigrant that lives here legally has opportunity. There's no lack of equality in our society. There's just none. You literally have to fight, scrap, and claw to just sit there and constantly create this mantra of there's no equality. Yes, there is. It exists every single day. So it proves flat out right there in the definition that there is no such thing as racial inequality. It's a myth. So what good does it do any of us to keep pandering to those things? And like I said, if you're not where you want to be, then don't bitch about other people holding you back because you're holding yourself back. Get better at what you want to be better at. If you don't know what that is, then figure it out. You've got to figure it out first. And once you have, chase it like a rabid fucking dog after a bone. And remember, do it all with humility, self-awareness, and personal accountability without justification. Folks, it's so simple. So simple. That list of eight things that I read off to you is all we ever talk about, yet we never, ever fix them. And the only reason we don't ever fix them, I honestly believe, is fear. Because if we actually fix them, and we start succeeding, and we start winning then we have to be held to those same standards over and over and over again. Because one of the biggest things I learned in business is fear of failure is not what drives or is not what keeps people from trying. It's actually fear of success. Fear of failure is easy because you can make an excuse about why you failed. You can sit there and blame it on something else if you fail. If you succeed, then you're actually expected to repeat it. And if we succeed in fixing these things, then guess what? We're expected to repeat it for generations. So it's not fear of failure. 
It's not fear of things getting worse. It's actually fear of improvement that's holding us back. It's got to change. And I believe it can. We just got to keep it simple and focus, like I said, on the actual definitions of the words and living them out versus all this manipulative bullshit that we've been spouting for the last, we'll call it decade. And I'll explain that one in the next episode. So folks, my name's Jeremy. To the handful of people that are probably listening out there, this is why I drink. Take care.